0: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Walker, Brother Hoyer, if you'd come and wait on us. Amen. We're going to give to the Lord <laughs> the necessity, the significance, and the mode or the means by which we should be baptized and why that's important too. But tonight I'm going to be teaching about speaking with tongues. Speaking with tongues. This is a, this is a subject that has been clouded uh, throughout church history uh, with quite a bit of mystery to it, and uh, questions that circle around it. But I hope that tonight's lesson, and tonight may turn into uh, a, a, part, a two-part series, if I would say that. I may not get through this information. It's very likely I won't get through this information tonight, so you may be hearing the part two next Wednesday, and we'll see how this goes. But uh, turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. Uh, Much of this we read when we covered Into His Marvelous Light, the Bible study. And I hope for some of you, this is a great, great refresher course. Uh, In fact, the more I study the Word of God, even if it's subjects that I feel like I'm extremely familiar with, every time I study it and every time I have the privilege of teaching it, I don't know about you, I feel like I learn that much more. My experience, my faith, my understanding of the Word of God grows that much richer, that much fuller, that much deeper. Why don't we stand in honor to the Word of God, we'll stand for the reading, and then we'll pray together, and we'll get right into our Bible study. Acts chapter 1, we'll begin our reading with verse 4. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. The Bible says that Jesus was assembled together with his disciples, with them, and he commanded his disciples that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now, or not many days hence. He goes on in verse, I believe it's verse eight, "...ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and all Judea, or Judah, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as Jesus went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren, or his half-brothers, children of Mary and Joseph. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, They were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to, here it is, speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability or the utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. They were confused because that every man heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How hear we every man in our own language? Or our own language, wherein we were born, from where we are from, Parthians, Medes, Ilamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judea, Cappadocia, in Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, and Egypt, and parts of Libya, um, about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome. Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues, or again, our languages, the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken, or listen to me, For these are not drunk like you think, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. It's 9 a.m. in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, which says, It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And everyone say amen to the word. Let's pray together. Let's ask the Lord to have his way to speak to our hearts, to open our understanding, to understand his scriptures. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for this evening. I thank you for your word and the access that we have to your word. But Lord, we want understanding Lord, we don't want the Word of God to be unfamiliar or foreign to us, but we want to become increasingly more and more familiar and knowledgeable of your Word so that it might increase our faith, so that we might grow in our understanding and the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But even more than that, we want to be able to give an answer when people ask us, that we would be able to give an answer for the hope that we have, which is in Christ Jesus. I pray that you will lead this church family tonight through the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. Speaking with tongues. Speaking with tongues. I mean, let's just be honest. Um, It is quite an interesting subject, isn't it? Speaking with tongues. The idea that someone would speak words sentences, sounds that are not understandable to themselves supernaturally. It is a phenomenon. Now, the question that was asked on the day of Pentecost is a question that is still being asked even today. What does this mean? Or what does this all mean? What mean at this? What is this? Speaking with tongues. Now, this is not super necessary for you to know, but it is good information. If you ever get in a conversation about speaking with tongues or about speaking with tongues, um, there is a term that is used by scholars or theologians, a technical term for speaking with tongues is glossolalia, uh, which is a Greek word, and so if you ever hear someone talking about that and that you hear that word glossolalia, basically they're mentioning or talking about the idea of speaking with tongues. Now, the subject of speaking with tongues or tongues is often misunderstood because individuals don't realize that scripture gives us different purposes and operations of tongues. And so we're going to cover those tonight. But we're, we're going to begin with what we read, and that is the first occurrence or the first time that we see people speaking with tongues. In our text, we find that Jesus instructed his disciples to go and to wait in Jerusalem. In fact, he commanded them to go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, and then he was taken up out of their sight from them. The disciples then returned to an upper room there in Jerusalem and waited for several days. While they waited, they prayed and they waited. They prayed and they waited until the promise that was given to them would be fulfilled. The day of Pentecost had finally arrived. We, we read about how there was a sound from heaven that filled the room. There was uh, tongues of fire or there was flames of fire that could be seen in the air in the room. Uh, you might say that the atmosphere was charged. It was electric. Um, and then it informs us that they were all filled, all 120 were filled with the Holy Ghost and as a result began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now, just again, lock these away in, in your mind as you consider this scripture. These are important for you to know. Number one, it occurred on a Jewish feast day, which we, I, I preached this on the, on the day of Pentecost just a, a week and a half ago. I think it's phenomenal that God instituted what is known as the Fe- festival of uh, a Pentecost uh, and he instituted this back in Deuteronomy 1616 16. you could read it uh, for yourself it, it is one of three annual festivals where God said all the people really all the males and all the men would come together and of course with the men their families would come together to Jerusalem to sell a celebrate three festivals, and this being one of the festival of Pentecost, and this is when this event occurred, and everyone in the upper room, the Bible shows us that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and the number was about 120, as mentioned in Acts 115, and Mary was right there among the, the, the group. Mary, the mother of Jesus, which I I find is something that is especially pertinent, especially if you're teaching uh, someone that comes from a religious background that almost deifies Mary, the mother of Jesus, kind of puts her on this plane as though she is a God herself and that she is someone that you ought to pray to. Well, it's eye-opening when people that are of that persuasion and that tradition see that Mary was there on the day of Pentecost Needing to be filled, obeying the command of Jesus, just like everybody else, all the disciples. Um, we, we find that the disciples did not speak with other tongues until after they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. We find that it was the Spirit that gave them the power or the ability to speak in tongues. We find that there were many Jews that were gathered from at least 15 different regions or territories there in Jerusalem that discovered this event. We find that the crowd, they were mixed in their response. Some people were amazed and some people, they they made fun of them. They, they mocked the, those that spoke with tongues. And, and really, I think that's interesting because really that sometimes is, is tended, uh, that, that tends to be one of the two responses of people even today. Some people are just kind of curious and they're amazed and kind of in awe. And then there's other people that are just like, you know, they're, they're crazy, right? And, and so we find after 2,000 years, uh, those that will witness this occurrence kind of fall in those two categories even 2,000 years later. Um, as a result of this, Peter began to explain the miracle. Of course, he starts by sharing Joel chapter 2, verse 28. He refers, he quotes from the prophecy of Joel uh, about what God said God's going to pour out his spirit in the last days. And he, he segues into that scripture by saying, this is that. He says, what you are seeing here is what Joel was referring to. When God said he will pour out his spirit in the last days, he says this is what it looks like when God pours out his spirit. And uh, this causes, his preaching causes the people that were sincere that day to say, well, what should we do? They went from what meaneth this to what shall we do? And that's when Peter gave them that very concise and clear path that someone needs to take in order to be born again like Jesus required in John chapter 3. He says you ought to repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then we, we, we lastly find that there was at least 3,000 people on that day. Wow. 3,000 people on that day that gladly received his word, which I'll say this, that is The best way, um, if I could maybe even say it this this way, it's, it's the only way that you should receive the word of God. Gladly receive the word of God. Don't come with your shield up. Don't come with your walls up. Don't come with a hardened heart. But be like those on that day that gladly obeyed Peter's message and were added to the church that day. What must it have been like? Sometimes I like to just kind of close my eyes and picture myself in the scene of Scripture and and see in my mind's eye Peter the Apostle standing up. And we know that, I mean, it must have been over 3,000 people standing up and somehow his voice projecting to the crowd and preaching Jesus Christ, bringing clarity as to what they were witnessing, seeing and hearing was the outpouring of the promise coming of the Spirit of God and then 3,000 being added to the church, baptized, filled with the Spirit. Now, here are some scriptural facts about tongues. Speaking in tongues, as I've already mentioned, is a supernatural event. It is the the utterance of another language. It's it's a language uh, that has not been learned by the person that is speaking it, nor is it understood by the person that is speaking it. When someone, when I, when I speak with tongues, I don't understand what I'm saying. I've not learned it. I've not learned to speak this way. Now, in some cases, the language might be understood by other people in the room, like it was on this day, on the day of Pentecost. They were speaking with tongues, and there were people there present that day that were from other parts of the world that understood what they were saying. Now, speaking in tongues is not an act of a speaker's ability or uh, logical or intellect. The individual that is speaking in tongues is speaking as the Spirit gives the ability to do so. As Acts chapter 2, verse 4 says, that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, even after the believers had been filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues is not meant to be something that you just kind of do on cue. You know, well, you you speak in tongues, show me. Why don't you you speak a few words in tongues? Come on, Bella, last week you were on the spot, long-suffering. Just go ahead, talk in tongues. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Thank you for being such a good sport, Bella. It's not, it's not meant to be something like, you know, we just, all right, I'm going to talk in tongues now, right? It's, it's, it's meant to be something that is, again, prompted by the Spirit, as the Spirit gives the utterance. Now, I will say this before moving on, that, that sometimes as people live for the Lord and, and, and pray and learn, learn very easily to surrender or to yield to the Spirit, that it, it will become increasingly, if I could say it this way, Easy to just kind of pray with your understanding in a language you understand, or without your understanding, pray in the spirit. And so that's why you find that some people, and it seems like, you know, they could pray very easily back and forth in, in a language that they understand and, and, and what they don't. But again, it's not supposed to be something, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to order my McDonald's value mill. I knew I'd get your attention, Sister Ashley. I'm going to order my McDonald's value mill by just talking in tongues, right? No, that's not, that's not. Now, it's also good to understand that when someone is speaking in tongues, that's not gibberish. It's not, it's not just some kind of unintelligible babble or uh, merely ecstatic chattering uh, without any objective meaning. Now, some people have mistakenly uh, kind of been led to believe this because they, they don't see things in Scripture or they never studied it. And, and then it. and then again, if you hear someone speaking in tongues, you're like, how can that even be a language? You know, like, how would that even be a language, right? It sounds, it sounds just like they're saying the same thing over again, you know. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, there are literally hundreds, thousands of languages in the world in existence right now that people speak thousands of languages that people speak today in the world and that doesn't include the untold number of languages that are no longer spoken ancient languages furthermore in first corinthians chapter 13 verse 1 Paul says, though I speak with the the tongues of men and of angels, he even seems to imply that there is a language that is a heavenly language. You might have heard someone say, you know, we're speaking in that heavenly language. That's kind of the scripture they're referring to. Perhaps when we're speaking in tongues, it's one that has been spoken by men or perhaps even of angels. So Uh, we see that it's it's not just something that is supposed to be some kind of gibberish or unintelligible babble. In fact, on the day of Pentecost, you read it with me. You read it there in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says that the people who did understand what the people were saying said that they are speaking about the wonderful works of God. So what they did understand, the onlookers, the, the crowd, the spectators, they said, They're I know what they're saying. They're talking about the wonderful works of God. Now, uh, speaking in tongues, again, we find is a supernatural manifestation of God. Now, there, there are certain groups of, of, of people that, that claim Christianity that would look at speaking in tongues and say that that's not of God. Well, if it's not of God, what is it of? Is it of the devil? Some would even go as far to say that speaking in tongues is of the devil. I would ask them very sincerely if they could be kind enough to show me a place in scripture where that happens. Where someone speaks in tongues by the power of the devil. I'll I'll, I'll go ahead and save you the search. It's not there. It's not there. In fact, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that there was a sound that preceded them speaking in tongues that came from where? From heaven. There's a the sound of a rushing mighty wind, not a downpour of torrential rain on a metal roof like we're hearing right now. I'm losing people's attention by the second. It was, <laughs> thanks. It, it, was, it was the Holy Spirit, right? It was, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit or the Holy Spirit, that's important. The Holy Spirit gave them the ability so there's a sound that came from heaven. The Holy Spirit empowered them to speak in tongues. And those who spoke with tongues spoke about the wonderful works of God. In Acts chapter 10, it records that those who spoke with tongues, in verse 46, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So these scriptures, they reveal that tongues are a holy manifestation from God. They're not an evil manifestation from Satan. And the biblical record always speaks or associates speaking with tongues with the work of the Holy Ghost and never with the works of darkness or of the devil. Now, that's not to say that someone who is under demonic uh, influence or even possession can't mimic uh, speaking in tongues, or or some something like that, or even in the flesh, that someone in the flesh will try to mimic or counterfeit, right? Speaking in tongues, uh, and, and really that's that's the devil's game, isn't it? He's always a counterfeit. He's not an original. He's a copycat. And uh, so again, but scripturally, it's always heavenly. Scripturally, it's always holy or inspired by the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. So now let's look at the purposes. We've seen the first occurrence. Now let's look at the purpose or the use of speaking in tongues. To what purpose is it? Well, the first recorded use of speaking in tongues in Scripture is its use as the evidence of someone being filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, this particular lesson is not about the es- essentiality or the necessity of someone being filled with the Holy Ghost. We kind of covered that in our Into His Marvelous Light lessons, and we could do that in the future again. But this particular lesson is saying, okay, people need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And here we find what is the scriptural evidence. How do you know if I have to be filled with the Spirit, how do I know that I am filled with the Spirit? Isn't that a good question? If I need to have the Spirit to be His, how do I know that I'm filled with His Spirit? And we see that speaking in tongues is used as the initial evidence or the first indication that someone has been filled with the Holy Ghost. Now there's other evidence, and there should be other evidence that someone is filled with the Holy Ghost. But what I'm referring to is the first evidence, the very first proof that someone is filled with the Holy Ghost. What are some other evidence? Well, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. Are we ready to list those off? Not yet. The fruit of the Spirit, we know that there's the fruit of the Spirit. There's even the gifts of the Spirit. And then just in general, developing the nature of Jesus Christ in your life through the empowering of His Spirit that dwells in you. Now those are all great evidences or proofs that someone has the Spirit and is allowing the Spirit to lead them in their life. But those are not the initial or the first evidence. Jesus clearly stated that speaking in tongues is one of the signs that should follow the believers. How many is thankful for signs? I'm thankful for signs, right? Uh, you know, there's the stop sign. There's, there's, there's the restroom sign. Even though those are starting to get confusing too. That's for another Bible study another time. But you know, I'm glad for signs. And Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, these signs shall follow them that believe. How many believers are here today? All of us, right? We're all believers. Well, these signs should follow you. In my name, Jesus said, you'll cast out devils. That means you don't have to put up with any devils. You cast them out. Don't put up with that garbage. (laughs) Furthermore, they'll speak with new tongues. They'll speak languages, new languages. Now when the Holy Ghost fell for the first time on the day of Pentecost, the disciples, I've already mentioned this, most definitely spoke in tongues, right? You read it for yourself in Acts chapter 2 verse 4. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke with other tongues. Then you could also read in Acts chapter 19 verse 6. 19 verse 6, the apostle Paul went to Ephesus where he rebaptized converts that were Formerly baptized or were baptized by John the Baptist, they were rebaptized. He laid his hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And guess what? They spoke with tongues. Acts 19, verse 6. But then we also see in in Samaria, in Acts chapter 8, where Philip went to the city of Samaria, he preached the gospel, many were healed of diseases, many were delivered of evil spirits, and because of this, many Samaritans believed the gospel, believed the name of Jesus, repented of their sins, they were baptized. However, we see very clearly in Scripture they had not yet received the Spirit or the Holy Ghost being concerned about the situation Philip he called for Peter and John from Jerusalem to come and travel to Samaria and when they got there they laid hands on them they received the holy ghost you could read the account in acts chapter 5 8 verse 5 through 24 this all is seen very i mean in detail it's laid out very clear in scripture, but you could see the following about the Samaritan revival. Again, just lock this kind of information in. Anytime you're reading the scripture or sharing the scripture from Acts chapter eight, someone talks to you about Acts eight or you're teaching the Bible study, show them these things. Philip, number one, Philip knew that even though the Samaritan believers had believed the gospel and had been baptized in the name of Jesus and even had many miracles of healing and blessing, they had not received the Holy Ghost. How did Philip know that? How did he know that they had not received the Holy Ghost? Because the initial evidence was not there. He knew what to look for. When Peter and John arrived in Samaria, they laid their hands on the believers. Immediately, they received the Holy Ghost. How did the apostles know that the believers had received the Holy Ghost? Because the same kind of evidence was manifest there, I'm sure, as it was in Acts chapter 2. What they had already received, the sign, the evidence. We know that there was a visible manifestation. Even though tongues is not mentioned in Acts chapter 8, we know that there was a visible manifestation. Because in Acts chapter 8, let me find it for you. In Acts chapter 8, the Bible says, For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost, and when, watch this, and when Simon, who was the sorcerer, saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, The Holy Ghost had been given. He offered Peter and John money. He's like, man, give me that. (laughs) That's power. I think it's interesting that Simon, he saw demons being cast out. He saw people being miraculously healed, but he makes no mention of buying that kind of power. But when someone is filled with the Holy Ghost and he sees it visibly, sees it happening, he's like, I'm willing to put good money down so I could have that kind of power that I could have so I could give people the Holy Ghost. Wow. So there's this visible evidence. He wants to buy this power. Now, some people today, they are mistaken into thinking that receiving the Holy Ghost is, is not observable. It's an invisible event, unaccompanied by any outward sign or manifestation. Now, if this were true, Philip, he would not have known, right? He would not have known whether the Samaritans had received the Holy Ghost or not. But he did know. That's why he called for Peter and John to come. Simon would not have been eager to buy a power that he could not see or could not be observed in any visible sign or manifestation. So it's obvious from this account that some powerful, observable, visible evidence took place when the Samaritan believers received the Holy Ghost. And when you correlate that with other scriptural accounts of people receiving the Spirit, you see very clearly that the initial evidence or first proof of someone receiving the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues. Let's look at another, another account we see Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. I'll quickly go through this one. But this one to me is like, this is a terrible analogy, but I'm going to use it because not a better one's coming in my mind, and maybe someone could shout one at me. It's like a nail in the coffin right here. That's a terrible analogy. But this is it. Like this. Like this. To me, is it, it makes it so clear. Acts chapter 10 and verses 44 through 48. It says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on. All them had heard the word. They had the circumcision which believed Jewish Christians. Were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. This is not to embarrass anyone, but how do, how do, you, hear that, how do you know that there's a baby in the room right now? Right? You hear the voice of that child screaming out. Right? It's the same way right here in Scripture. How did they know that they received the Holy Ghost? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. The proof was there. It was certain. It was clear. And when Peter even talked about it later in Acts chapter 11, he says, I know that God did it because it fell on them just like it did on us at the beginning. Now, some have thought that tongues were evident on the day of Pentecost. This, was, this one's always an interesting one. So you'll, you'll be teaching the Into His Marvelous Light Bible Study. You'll be talking about this. And then some people will be like, well, I always believed. They'll probably start, start out like this. or You know, you know my, my pastor always told me this, that tongues were only so that uh, the gospel could be preached. That's an interesting one. Uh, how many ever heard that? That speaking in tongues, Brother Jason, you've heard that before. That speaking in tongues is so that people could reach the various nations. And so that that God gives them the spirit and the gift of tongues so that they could preach in the different languages so people could hear the gospel in their own languages. What, What, I mean, if you look at scripture, let's think about this. On the day of Pentecost, right? On the day of Pentecost, let's think about this. We find that it was not, The speaking in other tongues that brought about a response of repentance and conversion in the believers or the onlookers. What was it? It was Peter standing up and preaching in a common language to everyone. Furthermore, we know that the 120 who were filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues, they spoke with tongues before the crowd showed up. In fact, the crowd showed up because this was talked about. People were talking about, hey, there's a group of people over here that are speaking different languages. So they were speaking in tongues before the crowd showed up. Peter stood up and he preached in a language that everyone understood, a common language. It was, and what they heard, it was just talk, they were talking about the wonderful works of God. Hmm. The receiving of the Holy Ghost is still accompanied today by speaking with other tongues. This phenomenon occurs around the world on a daily basis. But it's important to note at this point that these these, uh, recorded incidents of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts, they are never referred to as the outpouring, and here we're going to turn a corner, so stay with me and, and we'll close with this. They are never referred to as the outpouring of the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. We'll talk more about the gifts of the Spirit next week, but it's it's not mentioned as the gifts of the Spirit. It's not even mentioned as the the gifts of tongues. Some people well, I don't have the gift of tongues, right? Or the gifts of the, that's one of the gifts of the Spirit. No, it's always mentioned as the outpouring of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, I do want to close tonight's uh, Bible study not only talking about the first use of speaking in tongues and that is the initial evidence of someone receiving the Holy Ghost. But the second use after we've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, we've spoken in other tongues as the Spirit has given us the ability, now the Spirit resides within us. And now, sometimes we'll pray in an unknown language. We'll pray in tongues. Praying in tongues is an activity that is all throughout Scripture the New Testament that is the epistles, the Apostle Paul specifically discusses the correct use of tongues in prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in fact, I would love to just kind of do a study of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 where it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. They are very interesting, and I, I, th- I think when you understand them, it brings clarity even to speaking in tongues in general and the operation of the Spirit in a church setting. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, it says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, so if I pray and I'm speaking in tongues, Paul says, my spirit prays. But my understanding, my knowledge is is unfruitful. I don't know what I'm saying when I'm praying in tongues. He says, what is it then? I will pray with the spirit. I will pray with the understanding also. I'll do both. I will sing with the spirit. And I will sing with the understanding also. You see, the Holy Spirit within us will sometimes assist us in prayer, helping us to intercede, travail for individuals and circumstances that we might not even be aware of. You, you, you could stand firm on that idea from Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. Romans 8, 26, it says, likewise, the Spirit, capital S, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities or our weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray as we ought. We don't always know what to pray for. But the Spirit, capital S, itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows, not what, is the mi- knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints to the will of God. This is to me this is a phenomenal concept that when I'm praying and I begin to pray in the spirit, I begin to pray in tongues in a language I don't understand that it is possible that God's spirit is using me as a tool in his hands to pray for situations, circumstances and people that I'm not even aware of. Perhaps next week I'll, I'll gather some testimonies, but I've, I've known people personally that have phenomenal testimonies of how God used them to pray for a circumstance on the other side of the globe that they weren't even aware of. And, and, and even when, when we pray with one another and pray for people and pray in our closet of prayer and we're praying, we could rest assured that when we pray and we pray in the Spirit, we pray with His Spirit and our spirit that we're not just speaking gibberish. You see, in this, in this world, we live in a very limited time. Your understanding is limited. Our vocabulary is limited. What's it going to be like in heaven, though? I've mentioned this before, but you know, here on earth, when, when I thank God, I thank, I, I could thank God for a lot of things. Things that I'm aware of that He has done for me in my life. Ways He has provided for me. Ways He has protected me. But how many, how many, how many feels like, you know what, there's probably some things that God has done that I'm not even aware of. <laughs> there's ways that He has blessed me that I, I'm completely clueless about, but one day when we know even as we are known, what a day that will be. What a day that will be when I know so acutely everything that God has done and kept me and sustained me and provided for me, but watch us, and what a day that will be when I will be able to to begin to... Talk about how great God is and not be limited by my vocabulary. And from my soul and the power of his spirit and a glorified body, I'll be able to dance and not get tired. I'll be able to clap with strength that I didn't have humanly. I'll be able to lift up my voice and voice carry throughout all heaven. What a day. What a day. What a glorious day that will be. Let's stand together. Next week, we, we'll, we'll talk about praying and worshiping in tongues. And we'll also talk about the gift, the Bible re- records it in 1 Corinthians 13 as the gift of diverse kinds of tongues. And then we'll, we'll just kind of wrap up this lesson by discussing also about speaking in tongues throughout church history. And why did God use tongues in the first place? What scriptural sense can be made out of that? Amen. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to go with us from this place. Father, we love you and we thank you for this evening and this time that we have together a Bible study. I pray that our lives have been enriched by the teaching of the Word of God. I pray that we will continue to grow in our understanding of your Word, Lord, that it will bless us, the hearers, and also those that we are privileged to share it with, those our paths cross with. I pray that we will be ready, that we will be ready, Lord God, to share the Word of God, to be able to knowledgeably, Lord, share your Word and the experience that we have based in Scripture with others. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the refuge, through the refuge. And, Lord, you get all the glory and all the honor. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.